Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kevod Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Monday, December 4th. It is prophesied in the book of Amos that in the last days there would be a famine in the land. Not a famine for food, but a famine for the word of God, as it is written in Amos 8, 11, and 12. Behold, the days come, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. Even in the days of Joseph there were seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. He had stored up grain for the seven years of famine. The Daily Audio Torah is your storehouse where you can get grain. It is twenty minutes every day of pure scripture flowing out, living manna to feed your spirit. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Vayishlach, and it means, And He Sent. Genesis 37, 12-22 Soon after this, Joseph's brothers went to pasture their father's flocks at Shechem. When they had been gone for some time, Jacob said to Joseph, Your brothers are pasturing the sheep at Shechem. Get ready, and I will send you to them. I'm ready to go, Joseph replied. Go and see how your brothers and the flocks are getting along, Jacob said. Then come back and bring me a report. So Jacob sent him on his way, and Joseph traveled to Shechem from their home in the valley of Hebron. When he arrived there, a man from the area noticed him wandering around the countryside. What are you looking for? he asked. I'm looking for my brothers. Do you know where they are pasturing their sheep? Yes, the man told him. They have moved on from here, but I heard them say, let's go on to Dothan. So Joseph followed his brothers to Dothan and found them there. When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. As he approached, They made plans to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. But when Reuben heard of their scheme, he came to Joseph's rescue. Let's not kill him, he said. Why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him into this empty cistern here in the wilderness. Then he'll die without our laying a hand on him. 
Reuben was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return him to his father. Daniel eleven thirty six to twelve thirteen. The king will do as he pleases, exalting himself and claiming to be greater than every god, even blaspheming the god of gods. For what has been determined will surely take place. He will have no respect for the gods of his ancestors, or for the god loved by women, or for any other god. For he will boast that he is greater than them all. Instead of these, he will worship the god of fortresses, a god his ancestors never knew, and lavish on him gold, silver, precious stones, and expensive gifts. Claiming this foreign god's help, he will attack the strongest fortresses. He will honor those who submit to him, appointing them to positions of authority and dividing the land among them as their reward. Then, at the time of the end, the king of the south will attack the king of the north. The king of the north will storm out with chariots, charioteers, and a vast navy. He will invade various lands and sweep through them like a flood. He will enter the glorious land of Israel, and many nations will fall. But Moab, Edom, and the best part of Ammon will escape. He will conquer many countries, and even Egypt will not escape. He will gain control over the gold, silver, and treasures of Egypt, and the Libyans and Ethiopians will be his servants. But then news from the east and the north will alarm him, and he will set out in great anger to destroy and obliterate many. He will stop between the glorious holy mountain and the sea and will pitch his royal tents. But while he is there, his time will suddenly run out, and no one will help him. At that time, Michael, the archangel who stands guard over your nation, will arise. Then there will be a time of anguish greater than any since nations first came into existence. But at that time, every one of your people whose name is written in the book will be rescued. Many of those whose bodies lie dead and buried will rise up, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting disgrace. Those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky, and those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. But you, Daniel, keep this prophecy a secret. Seal up the book until the time of the end, when many will rush here and there, and knowledge will increase. Then I, Daniel, looked and saw two others standing on opposite banks of the river. One of them asked the man dressed in linen, who was now standing above the river, How long will it be until these shocking events are over? The man dressed in linen, who was standing above the river, raised both his hands toward heaven and took a solemn oath by the one who lives forever, saying, It will go on for a time, times, and half a time. When the shattering of the holy people has finally come to an end, 
All these things will have happened. I heard what he said, but I did not understand what he meant. So I asked, How will all this finally end, my Lord? But he said, Go now, Daniel, for what I have said is kept secret and sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified, cleansed, and refined by these trials. But the wicked will continue in their wickedness, and none of them will understand. Only those who are wise will know what it means. From the time the daily sacrifice is stopped, and the sacrilegious object that causes desecration is set up to be worshipped, there will be 1,290 days. And blessed are those who wait and remain until the end of the 1,335 days. As for you, go your way until the end. You will rest, and then, at the end of the days, you will rise again to receive the inheritance set aside for you. 1 John 4, 1-21 Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. This is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Yeshua came in a real body, and that person has the Spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, Yeshua, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here. But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people, because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Those people belong to this world, so they speak from the world's viewpoint, and the world listens to them. But we belong to God, and those who know God listen to us. If they do not belong to God, they do not listen to us. That is how we know if someone has the spirit of truth or the spirit of deception. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through Him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and His love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us His Spirit as proof that we live in Him and He in us. Furthermore, We have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. All who declare that Yeshua is the Son of God have God living in them 
and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in His love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face Him with confidence because we live like Yeshua here in this world. Such love has no fear, because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for the fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not fully experienced His perfect love. We love each other because He first loved us. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see. How can we love God, whom we cannot see? And He has given us this commandment. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. Psalm 123, 1-4 I lift my eyes to you, O God, enthroned in heaven. We keep looking to the Lord our God for his mercy, just as servants keep their eyes on their master, as a slave girl watches her mistress for the slightest signal. Have mercy on us, Lord, have mercy, for we have had our fill of contempt. We have had more than our fill of the scoffing of the proud and the contempt of the arrogant. Proverbs 29, 2-4 When the godly are in authority, the people rejoice, but when the wicked are in power, they groan. The man who loves wisdom brings joy to his father. But if he hangs around with prostitutes, his wealth is wasted. A just king gives stability to his nation, but one who demands bribes destroys it. I want to speak to you today from uh, the scriptures that we read today from Daniel chapter 12. And I want to zoom in on a particular thing that was brought up there in Daniel chapter 12. And in starting in verse 10, it reads, Many shall be purified, made white, and refined, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. And verse 11 And from the time that the daily sacrifice is taken away and the abomination of desolation is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and comes to the 1,335 days. But you go your way till the end, for you shall rest and will arise to your inheritance at the end of the days. So Daniel got this information from this man clothed in linen, probably an angel, and it's a huge signpost, but we have to decode it. It's giving us a clue to the final 1290 days, a time known as Jacob's trouble. So 
The daily sacrifice, what's that talking about? Well, when there was a temple in Jerusalem, there was a daily sacrifice, the daily tamid lamb offering, and it was twice a day, once in the morning at 9 a.m. and again at 3 p.m. And a white lamb, a perfect white little lamb, was sacrificed on the altar twice a day, the daily tamid lamb offering. Well, this has been removed. They don't do this anymore because there is no more temple. It was destroyed in 70 AD. But if you go to Jerusalem and you visit the Temple Institute in the Old City, you will see that they have the Jewish people have a vision for a restored temple. And in the museum, they've collected all of the artifacts and all of the items that will be needed in a third temple. One of the first things that you see when you go there, though, is the actual altar where the daily tamid lamb offering would be offered. And that's in the outer courtyard of the temple. And so uh, one of the docents explained, we can disassemble this and reassemble it within hours. And when the time is right, when the time is right, We can disassemble this and put it up on the Temple Mount, on the square, the plaza, and reassemble it and do the daily tamid lamb offering there in the proper position. So they're waiting for the right timing. So for this prophecy that we just read in Daniel chapter 12 to be fulfilled, you don't need the entire temple rebuilt. All you need is for that altar to be up on the Temple Mount, on the plaza, in the proper location, and for the daily tamid lamb offering to be offered on the altar. And before the altar is used, it goes through seven days of um, a ritual cleansing where they offer a special sacrifice on that altar for seven days, and then at the end of the seven days, that altar is considered holy. And then they can do the the daily tamid lamb offering. So let's read those verses again. Verse 11, Daniel 12, verse 11. From the time the daily sacrifice is stopped and the sacrilegious object that causes desecration or the abomination of desecration is set up to be worshipped, there will be 1290 days. So in other words, what we're going to see is that the, the altar For this prophecy to be fulfilled, the altar must go up on the Temple Mount and they have to be, you know, they do the seven days of of sacrifices to make it holy. And then they start doing the daily sacrifice. It's twice a day, actually. And when that's happening, something's going to happen to shut it down. And so now let's jump into Matthew chapter 24 verse 15, and Yeshua is speaking to his disciples, and he's talking about what will be happening immediately preceding his return. What's going to happen at the end of days? So I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but I want to zoom in on verse 15, Matthew 24, verse 15, because it talks about the altar. So Yeshua said this, Matthew 24, verse 15, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place. Whoever reads 
let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. So basically what he's telling us is that there is going to come a day when the altar is up on the Temple Mount, it will be shut down and it will be replaced by this abomination of desolation and that that is a marker, that is a signpost that marks the beginning of a segment of time known as Jacob's trouble or the great tribulation. And that when you see that happen, when the daily sacrifices are stopped, the altar is shut down and this abomination of desolation replaces it that for those who live in Jerusalem and Judea, they need to immediately flee to the mountains. Because this basically begins the rule and the reign of the Antichrist. And how, do, how long does he rule and reign? It's not seven years. His rule is for 1260 days or 1290 days, depending upon, you know, how you want to count it. So what is it that Yeshua is referring back to in Daniel? Let's look at it. It's in Daniel chapter 9. The final verse, Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. Then he, that is the Antichrist, shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. But in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abominations shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation, which is determined, is poured out on the desolate. Now, that's a really deep, complex, complicated verse. It's got a lot of information packed in it. I'm going to read it again, this time in the New Living Translation. The other time I read it, it was New King James. So let's read it again from the New Living Translation. Daniel 9, verse 27. The ruler will make a treaty with the people for a period of one set of seven. Many have interpreted that as seven years. But after half this time, in other words, three and a half years, he will put an end to the sacrifices and offerings. And as a climax to all his terrible deeds, he will set up a sacrilegious object that causes desecration until the fate decreed for this defiler is finally poured out on him. So if, in fact, we have a seven-year period of time, what, what this is saying is that when we're halfway into that seven-year period, in other words, three and a half years into it, which is, by the way, 1,260 days, um, he's going to put an end to the sacrifices and offerings. So potentially, one way this could be viewed is that for a period of three and a half years, Israel will have access to the Temple Mount and be able to set up their altar and do the daily Tamid lamb offering twice a day for those three and a half years. But then all of a sudden, something's going to happen. He'll put an end to that. He'll shut down that altar. And instead of that altar being there, he's going to put up a sacrilegious object to desecrate the Temple Mount area. Um, and 
that begins truly the Jacob's, the time known as Jacob's trouble or the great tribulation. And so finally, the last passage we're going to look at is Revelation chapter 12. Because again, in this passage, it's talking about that 1260-day period. And so a woman flees to the wilderness. She has, uh, she's clothed with the sun. The moon is under her feet. On her head is a garland of 12 stars. She gives birth to a son. A fiery dragon tries to devour that son. He drew a third of the stars in heaven and threw them to the earth. And he was trying to devour her child as soon as the child was born, this male child. And he rules the nations with a rod of iron. That would be Yeshua. And her child is caught up to God and to his throne. Yeshua is caught up to God and to his throne, sits at the right hand of the Father. Now, verse 6. Then the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared by God, that they should feed her there 1,260 days. So who is this woman? I believe she is a picture of biblical Zion. God's people, the remnant of believers who love the God of Israel, who love the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and who love his book, the Bible, who love his son, Yeshua, and who are being pursued and persecuted. And so she, this woman who pictures all of us, flees into the wilderness to a place that's been prepared for her by God. So does that mean we need to go out to Montana or Idaho and buy 50 acres and go hunker down somewhere? That's okay if the Lord has told you to do that, to create a Goshen place for others. Um, But it says here that there's going to be a place that's been prepared by God. And that the Lord is going to feed her there for how long? 1,260 days. That would be 42 months. That would be three and a half years. So that is the length of the great tribulation period, the time known as Jacob's trouble. It's not seven years. It's three and a half years. So this altar that's going to go up on the Temple Mount really is a signpost for us that marks time, that tells us, okay, we're there. We have begun the time known as Jacob's Trouble. We are in that season of time known as the Great Tribulation. We are not to speak against that altar. It's a holy altar. It is set apart, and it is prophesied that this would happen. So uh, then the Antichrist is going to reveal himself and shut down that altar, and he's going to replace it with something that absolutely is an abomination. So that's something to be watching for. Okay, have a blessed day, and we will see you tomorrow. Shalom. Adonai Anavilaka
Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. <laughs>